0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Gambling is prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18+. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. Where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's first episode of It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride and we're going to be talking about the show Pose. Um, And before we get into all things Pose um, and have everybody introduce themselves, I just have a few announcements. Um, I've mentioned before that we are going to start doing... Uh, We're going to try raising some money for Black Lives Matter for various organizations. Like I said, I want to try and focus on organizations that may not be getting as much attention. And we definitely want to be donating to um, black trans organizations. And I've got some of them um, already that I've found that I want to utilize as well um, or, or utilize where the donations will go. Uh, And so what we're going to be doing is we're working on a silent auction. We're trying to gather items together. I'm trying to learn how those work since I've never done anything like that before. So I'm kind of just starting fresh from there. We are also working on merchandise that we're going to have where all the proceeds will also go go to charity. And for that one, we have uh, Brooke, who was on our Will & Grace episode. She's designed a really neat logo for us. And then Sarah, not Sarah who's on the episode today, the other Sarah, she is going to be designing merchandise for us. So that'll be really cool. And then we also just launched listener support, which you can click on through the Anchor app, through our Anchor page. It'll also be in the show notes. And through September 1st at least, Um, everything that we get from that uh, will go to various Black Lives Matter organizations. And they may change through time depending on needs. We may add some. If anybody out there has any that they would like to bring to our attention that we might not be aware of, please feel free to do that. Reach out to us. Um, I'm here to listen, and I would love to have more on there. I'm trying to get at least a list of 10 and then keep rotating and trying to do as much good as we possibly can. Because, like I said before, we need to speak out and do stuff, especially all my fellow white people out there. So, um, yeah, so we're going to start that. And then another thing you will notice in this episode is there's going to probably be an advertisement. So we are starting to do that. And all of the proceeds we'll get from that, once again, through September 1st, at least through then, it might be extended or at least a portion will be extended beyond we'll go to uh, Black Lives Matter organizations. Okay, so now let's go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that they're excited about right now. I'll go ahead and start with you, Sarah.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not used to going first. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I live here in Aurora, Colorado, and uh, of course, I've been binge watching a lot of the shows to prepare for a lot of the podcasts I've been doing course, Pose. I uh, been watched the whole second season in less than a day, so I'm pretty <laughs> proud of myself on that one. And I'm excited to rewatch Sense8 in honor of Pride Month and another podcast. And other than that, I really haven't been uh, listening to anything else. I have been listening to this podcast, which has been fun. It's been interesting trying to get more conversation going on our previous episode of Queer Baiting, which was a really powerful conversation. So I'm excited to hear more uh, of what we can bring to the table with uh, minority baiting
1: discussions and things involved with that portrayal. Great. And then Tiffany? Hi, I am Tiffany. Thanks for having me
3: back on Aaron. Um, I just finished season two of Rami on uh, Hulu, and the best part of that was that Mahershala Ali <laughs> Mahershala Ali was uh acting as Rami's sheikh in uh in season two, and he's awesome pretty much in everything that he's ever done. so I was really happy to see him in that and um, I'm also watching since I finished that I'm started a series on Netflix called Blood and Water. It's a South African series about a young girl whose sister was abducted from the hospital as an infant, and so it's uh, i'm on I'm only on episode two but it's it's really interesting and and really really good acting and young and they're younger actors. Uh, but it's it's really great so far. So I'm looking forward to finishing up with that.
1: Well, yeah, are, those are two things I need to check out. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Rami. That's one that I really, really need to watch. I know my mom was mentioning that one um, when she watched season one. I don't know if she's watched season two yet. But yeah, I, I need to check that one out. That's definitely on my list. Um, OK, well, and what I'm into is I just watched a documentary. I was looking for Paris is Burning to actually prepare for Pose because I've actually never watched Paris is Burning, which shame on me. I should watch that documentary and I couldn't find it anywhere. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I just could not find it anywhere. Like you couldn't I couldn't even rent it on like Amazon video. Um, so instead, what I did find on Hulu is this documentary called Kiki. And it is more about the present day ballroom scene in New York, so it really fits in well with what our topic is today. And it's just, it's just really interesting, very fascinating, um, and especially since it is, it is present day, um, and seeing, you know, that that community and finding people, finding home, um, and finding acceptance. And outside of their family or outside of friends or outside of society as a whole. Uh, so it's it's really, really good. And I highly recommend that one. And once again, that's streaming on Hulu. Okay, so let's get into Pose. Um, so I'm going to go around and just ask everybody what their overall thoughts are on Pose. If you have any favorite episodes. Um, if you've watched it from the beginning or just how you came to find it. So i will start with you, Sarah. Uh, you introduced me to this show and (laughs) quite honestly
2: um, I don't tend to watch a lot of LGBT uh, media and movies and series and my first impression of the first episode was like oh this is going to be like a bunch about a bunch of drag queens which I'm totally happy about and but I didn't I wasn't sure as to what what direction the show was going to go. And I loved how it evolved and the intricacies of every character and uh, the relationships that come out of it. And I, I love this show. It's absolutely amazing. And I love the historical context that it brings from the LGBT culture during the eighties and especially during the AIDS pandemic and how it's still a fight that we're navigating even still today and just just the heart-wrenching loss that people had to experience and so it's I've I've seen a play about the AIDS epidemic from the 80s and it was powerful but I think this really 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 struck at home for me in in our really dark history that we have and the painful history that we have and uh, the racial dynamics as well as the um, marginalizing the transgender community extensively and we still do that today so i'm I'm excited to to speak on the amazing transgender actress actors and actresses we have on the show that are going to really pave the way for more movies and uh, more actors to come out and participate in mainstream entertainment. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. yes. Well, I'm glad that I was able to introduce you to the show because I love this show. And Tiffany? I was
3: introduced to it actually through the advertising that fx was doing i watched a lot of different shows on fx and they really really promoted the heck out of it when uh before the the series premiere so i was really impressed by that um they had a lot of presence on twitter they had a lot of presence on facebook um they were doing a lot of advertising on fx and fx now all of the um the various platforms that FX actually uses, so that was really great to see. And then, I mean, billboards as well. There were billboards all up and down the uh, the freeway, at least here in you know in the L.A. area. So that was really awesome, and I think it would just capture a lot of people's attention. And um, even if you weren't really sure what it was going to be about, just the influx of um, of imagery that we were seeing really, really put it in the forefront of people's minds. And I was really glad to see that Janet Mock was who herself is a trans woman was, um, one of the showrunners for it. Uh, because I think it's important to have a person that has that experience be in charge of a show where that experience is in the forefront. So, um, we've seen other shows like Transparent and um, Baskets with having cis men play trans women. And it's it's so weird to me to have somebody do that. It just doesn't make any sense when there's so many very, very excellent trans women actresses to play those roles. So I was really glad that they took the time to um, cast this show right. and. And you get that you get a complete vibe that they know what's going on, and they can and they can put their own experiences into the writing, and it really comes through across the screen. So I love the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I rambled around it, but I love the show. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that's great, and I'm so happy to hear that they were um, advertising it so much. See, I don't I don't have cable anymore, and I haven't really been. St- streaming like had cable on any of the streaming channels so I just watched it when it came out like it was a little bit over a year ago I binged the first season on Netflix because I had heard about it I had heard so many good things about it and like you said I mean it's really amazing that you know they they were able to get this show off the ground and I'm so glad that they were promoting it so much and it's so great that they you know like you said that they have Um, trans people behind the scenes creating it and working on it because that makes a big difference you know if you're having people that aren't in that community telling the story I think you lose something and especially having people who are portraying the characters be trans themselves because you know I mean going back to you know like even women have done like trans America you know stuff like that it's just you know not having someone that is actually representative of the community does a disservice especially when there's so many talented people out there that are actresses that can play the characters you know so that's so that's a really really big blessing for the show and then also I just I think all the acting is amazing the characters are amazing um such great storylines the the writing is so good Uh, nothing ever feels um cliche or over the top at all um and the music i have to say i am such a sucker for 80s music and you know then they go into a little bit of the early 90s music and i'm such a sucker for that stuff so i love yeah. the music as well that's that's fun um and just watching the ballroom scenes it's just it's so great and we're going to get into all the characters because of course you know, pray tell just watching that is just amazing as well. And just, it's just such a unique, um, show. And I, I don't, I just, I think it's really beautiful in a lot of ways, you know, too. Um, and also as you were mentioning, Sarah, watching it follow the, the AIDS pandemic. Cause I remember, you know, when I was a little kid and, um, we, one of my mom's friends, Um, died of AIDS and watching that she was one of the few people that um, stuck around and cared for him and you know she'd go and get a movie theater popcorn because it was the only thing he could eat and the only thing that he really actually kind of liked and and watching him you know die from that disease was it's just it was just so so painful And so watching this show being said, in that just brings back a lot of that. I was a kid, but still brings back a lot of memories of, 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 that time. And that was such a tumultuous time, um, you know, and such a sad and scary, scary thing. Um, especially the fact that nobody was doing anything about it because nobody seemed to care because of who they perceived it was only affecting, um, So, yeah, so it's 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 a great, great show. I think it's one of the best shows that comes out of the Ryan Murphy canon, you know, Um, but I'm glad that he doesn't have sole control of it. I will say. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's really good. So let's get into talking about um, sort of the we've talked about representation and how that matters. I mean, as as far as ensuring that transgender characters are portrayed by transgender actors, um, and let me get to this little trivia bit here. It's like at least 54 um, trans actresses. So it's the largest cast of any scripted series in history um, the, that features trans actresses, which is just incredible. Uh, and I hope that that continues, that this, you know, this the show is successful as far as I know. It's pretty successful. It's well-received. So hopefully that fact um, can make, you know, there be more representation across the board. Um, so do you guys have anything else you want to add in as far as like with the representation and then we'll get into the characters and the show as a whole, but anything you want to add in with that, Sarah?
2: I definitely want to acknowledge the racial dynamics that they yeah. really brought to the table. And that's one of the things that you see the most in the trans community is the lack of accessibility and coverage of people of color that are transgender and they're so underrepresented and one of the lines that Blanca said in in the show that Damon is black you're gay and you're poor you have everything working against you and the only thing that he didn't have working against him was him being trans and so that really puts into perspective how on a hierarchy level we have put the transgender community at the Bottom of the barrel, and so they're always the easiest ones to attack, and they're always the easiest ones to uh, get dismissed anytime they're uh, murdered or injured. And it's really prevalent in a lot of um, South American uh, communities, definitely Peru and Brazil, and Brazil, yeah, Brazil, where you see a lot of instances of. Uh, trans people of color that are being murdered so I really am grateful they had a full spectrum of the rainbow there was like hardly any white people and the white people Uh were the ones that were getting red in the restaurants and and which I I loved I love that part (laughs) but um yes the racial racial dynamics and even they even touched on um Blanca having dyslexia and that was like a surprising like uh, introduction to learning disabilities and so they were that kind of plays into yeah the disability community and uh, yeah I just love how incredibly diverse this was and that white people were the enemy and during that era especially in New York, especially because of the Trump era that they were fighting mm-hmm. so accurate. And unfortunately we're still fighting that same racial dynamic today through mm-hmm. black lives matter. And, um, and so I'm so grateful there was like massive expression of racial dynamics, sexual dynamics, and how, um, even the sociological dynamics between or socio-behavioral dynamics of white cisgender men that wanted to be with transgender women Mm -hmm. to uh, have something to get away with or have something that they had that was sneaky and theirs and that they can use as a tool or a pet or 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 whatever. So it was interesting that they even had Electra's uh, boy toy of 10 years actually come out and flat out say that, like, you are my hidden gem Mm -hmm. and my little sneaky little experience that I don't share with everybody. It's something I can get away with. And I wonder how many people have had that experience of being with a trans person and using them as their little secret. And so that, that kind of goes down in a whole other rabbit hole, but I really love that they played on those dynamics and it was Mm -hmm. very powerful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. And Tiffany.
3: You know, I I like what Sarah said about like the, um, the dynamics and the hierarchy within the show. It's almost like, um, relationships within the relationship that the show has with the viewer. Um, just thinking about when Electra has her gender affirming surgery and then her, her boy toy doesn't want her anymore after that. It, it, he only wanted her in a specific way and her happiness was secondary to that. It was his way or the highway. And then when she tries to get uh, hook up with another, I guess you could call him sugar daddy, uh, he is the same way. He only wants what he wants when he wants it. And the idea that her gender affirming surgery was almost like a, a a turnoff for these men was really really interesting to me. But then within The ballroom community, the ones who do have gender affirming surgeries and are what they call, I guess, full women now, uh, they're seen as the creme de la creme, like the one who went to the ones who went to, um, I think they said the Philippines, and they had, and she she got full body (laughs) (laughs) when she came back, and everybody was in awe of how she looked, and uh, that's really interesting because the flip, the script is flipped. Between what Alexa did with the with the sugar daddy, and then how she's seen in actual ballroom, she's placed on this pedestal. So I really thought that was really interesting because i I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware that that was actually um, and another barrier within that community that they have their own, just like you know. Colorism in the Black community and in, in Southeast Asian communities, um, or uh, classism between rich, middle class, poor, and, and lower class. So it it was really interesting that they that they put that in there just to give us that viewpoint. So uh, I, I like that. I love that. I thought it was uh, it was really uh, it was brave of them to to really delve into that.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree with everything that both of you guys have said. Um and I want to add a little bit w- one thing I was so grateful for is that they didn't do what I think another show might have done with the Evan Peters character Stan, you know, who he had um the affair with Angel and Angel was, you know, really in love with him and thought, mm-hmm. you know, this was her prince. Um and what I really really appreciated is they didn't turn him into that Prince character. They didn't turn him into this savior. Um, You know, he disappeared and I'm hoping he never comes back, but he's, he disappeared. (laughs) And so, and, and, and they didn't have her, um, you know, her whole identity be wrapped up in him and him being able to, you know, be like, find himself through, through the ballroom community or, you know, it, it, turn the tables and the story be about him. And I think in a lot of shows that probably would have been what had happened. And this was just a lot more realistic. And also, you know, he didn't, he didn't earn that. So it, to me, it would have been really bad if they had turned it into him actually being a prince, which I was worried for a minute, they were going to do that. You know, when he actually said he wanted to be with angel and he was going to leave his wife and all that. But Of course, that didn't last. Um, And and so I just want to mention that because I just really appreciated that they did that. Um, That was a lot more honest and realistic. And plus, they didn't center him in the story. So I think that made a big difference. Um, Okay, let's get into uh, the characters themselves a little bit and or actually, I'm sorry, let's get into the ballroom culture first before we get into the characters, just in case people don't know, which I should have started out saying this, what 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 ball culture is. And I'm going to read just sort of a little bit from Wikipedia about it. Um, Ball ball culture, excuse me. Um, It's also described as drag ball culture. Um, The house ballroom community and similar terms are used to describe a young African-American and Latin American underground LGBT subculture that originated in New York City um, in which people quote unquote walk, i.e. compete for trophies, prizes and glory at events known as balls. Um, attendees will dance, vogue, walk, pose, and support one another in one or more of the numerous drag and performance competition categories. So they'll have different categories. Um, and the categories are usually designed to simultaneously epitomize and satirize various genders and social classes while also offering an escape from reality. So yeah, and, and ball culture first um, got recognition sort of w- with uh, the documentary Paris is Burning, which inspired this show in a lot of ways um and actually um i'll just add really quickly here um that the director of paris is burning jenny livingston is credited as as being a consulting producer for pose so i wanted to add that in there too Um, is there anything else anyone wants to add about ballroom culture before we move on to the characters I,
2: just, I think it's really fascinating how it's kind of evolved in different ways throughout the years and and I see I see the appeal of the balls themselves and how they functioned as a community in New York and various places for the LGBTQ community but also how it kind of influenced a lot of the drag culture male and female drag of how, most drag queens, especially when I was growing up in my late teens and early 20s and in the 90s, was that most drag queens had a drag mom, or they had a drag dad, or somebody like that to really teach them the, the ropes and dynamics of how to be a successful performer and do your makeup and do your costumes, how you, how you portray your character, who, how you identify and present yourself. So I'm, I'm grateful that that kind of culture and dynamic has, has continued to some degree, but it, now it, the drag culture has turned into more of a competitive dynamic than a ha- family house dynamic And I think that really discredits a lot of the history of where we've come from and we lost out on a lot of that knowledge and opportunity of learning from previous performers. So I just wanted to mention that.
1: No, thank you for mentioning that. And Tiffany, is there anything you want to add on ballroom culture? Uh, I do
3: appreciate the, how it evolved from, being a very tight knit family. Um, although they were competing with one another, it was about upliftment and it was about, um, support. And I I do agree with Sarah in that. I think that they've moved away from that. And a lot of that I think is just due to, you know, influx of reality television and, uh, just the competition nature of, Everything nowadays, everything is a comp- competition. I mean, gosh, there's no cooking shows anymore, they're all just competition <laughs> shows. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think in some ways it's mirroring our present day. Uh, so I hope that it undergoes an, a revolution of sorts as opposed to an evolution. I hope it undergoes a revolution and that tight knit family is back again. And the, the very marginalized, the, the least of us all is, uh, is supported by those, like, like Sarah said, by those, um, those house mothers and those house fathers. Uh, because it's important for, especially for kids and for um, teens that are finding their way, it's really important for them to have that, that adult figure that they can look up to. And if they don't see that in their in their present life and and people that they can emulate, where does that leave them? You know, we all want somebody to look up to. So uh, I hope it I hope it does undergo a revolution.
1: Yeah, Yeah, me too. And, you know, like I said, that documentary that I watched, Kiki, you know, it talks a lot about that was just from a couple of years ago. So it is still there. Um, The ballroom culture is still going strong and they still do the competitions and, um, you know, the way that they used to do them. So it's 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 really interesting. I highly recommend that because it um, it shows that it's still there and it's still needed. Um, And so that that's a really, really good documentary on that. Um, And then just briefly to say, since we're about to talk about uh, two of the house mothers in Pose. Um, what houses are in case anyone listening doesn't really know um, but the houses um, in the ballroom community they serve as an al- as alternative families so they primarily consist of black and latino gay gender nonconforming, gender queer and transgender individuals and are meant to provide shelter solace and safety for those who have often been kicked out of their original homes due to being LGBT so they're led by mothers and fathers who are usually older members of the ballroom scene who are typically drag queens gay men or trans transgender women who provide guidance and support for their house children. So it is finding that, um, alternative family, which we've talked about before, um, on a couple of the episodes during this month, you know, finding those, like when we talked, when we talked about queers folk, like Deb on queers folk being, you know, the, the mother of everybody on there who is isn't accepted. And, and so it's pretty incredible having these houses and having that, that home that so many of these people didn't have, or they were kicked out or treated like crap or abused or anything like that, you know, any number, number of, of things. And so to be able to find that home and that solace is a really incredible thing. And it's beautiful to watch in the show. Um, And to watch these house mothers and how different each house mother is, um, especially the two that we're going to be talking are pretty they're pretty polar opposites, although one is actually the mother of one of one of the others. So it's it's very interesting watching them. I mean, house mother of one of the others. So let's start talking about the characters. Let's start with Blanca, who is a house mother. And I consider her sort of the central character. Um, So what are your thoughts on Blanca, um, Sarah?
2: I absolutely love Blanca um she the growth that she shows and the strength and the fortitude and the uh integrity and um passion and like I can speak mounds about her she is definitely one of those pivotal characters that lead from the front and don't put up with any shit um I love how she forces her children to show up and engage with life and be authentic and be, uh, navigate with integrity and, um, compassionately. Like she is like that strong female leader that, um, you definitely see in a lot of, um, homes of people of color she's Dominican so that's pretty prominent for a Dominican uh, female role Uh, same with um, most uh, black women who are mothers you they have the the intense like you get your feet off my furniture type attitude and don't don't disrespect me in my house And I love that dynamic. And that really gives them that hard structure that each one of them needs in order to navigate life. And, and it shows with how quickly everybody grows up and becomes the person that they want to be. And, and, and then she gets to the place where she can start over and do that again and find, she finds her purpose and her role in that. And it's It's amazing to see that um, just her, her growth and her passion and and protection and not just for her house. It's not a house versus house. It's we may have a house, but we also have a whole entire community that we're supporting and we are representing each other. Like she shows up, she is authentic and genuine and she is so selfless. So uh, like She's right up there with Deb from Queer's Folk that, like, she gets the Mom of the Year award,
1: hands down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Tiffany? I love the way MJ
3: Rodriguez plays Blanca because she shows this vulnerability um, and her face is so expressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know when she's hurting and you know when she's mad <laughs> and you know when she's when she's happy and she she almost the idea of her her pride in her children and in her house is is everything for her it's everything to her and the way she drags Damon <laughs> to, to the new school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure that he gets his audition, and to make sure that he's doing what he needs to do to be successful. And the way she pushes Angel to be a success and uh, to go after her dreams with modeling, and the way she pushes Little Poppy to make sure that he's not doing what he's supposed and what he's not supposed (laughs) to be doing. (laughs) And you know, in those streets and and slinging product and and making sure that he stays on the straight and narrow, she is a mother she is a a role model and a guide and she understands that she has to be that for for the kids she she gets it i mean she truly truly gets it and she takes it really seriously but there's always a level and element of fun with her as well so i think she i think mj just plays her brilliantly uh and i'm i'm really excited after having that um her that medical scare in season two at the end of season two. I'm I'm really ready to see what she does for season three. Um because I hope it's a comeback of sorts for her.
1: Yeah, me too. It'll be interesting to see with her new children that looks like she's taking in to see how, how yeah. that works. But yeah, she's she's incredible. And I'm gonna you know, start crying thinking about it, but the scene in this in season two's finale when she comes out in the wheelchair and she's lip syncing to the national Anthem and she, you know, stands up in that red outfit and she's just, Oh my God, it's so powerful. And you see to me, that's like seeing her growth, seeing her strength, seeing her really coming into her own because, you know, there's, she's kind of in denial of, of her illness. She's um, also, I think kind of hard on herself a lot of times, Um, And there was just so much confidence and beauty in that scene that it was just, oh, my God, that was just, oh, I watched it over and over again Mm because it was so beautiful watching her do that, especially with her struggling with her health and with her health scare and to see that strength come out and to – just and and to have that acceptance we'll get into electra in a second but to have the way electra spoke about her after that when she had her come up there and be one of the judges um was beautiful too so just she's she's just incredible and i agree um mj's performance she is Really, really amazing. And she grows as as an actress throughout the show. You can see her growth as well, which is always beautiful to watch. I always love to watch actors grow and and get more comfortable in the role and push themselves. Um, And she's such a great mom. Um, and, And they're just so lucky to have her. And they realize that. They really realize that. They really love her and adore her. And she's saved their lives in so many ways. Um, and help them achieve their dreams. And she has achieved her dream, I think her biggest dream was to be a mother and to save people. Um, And that's what she has done. And she's just an incredible mom and an incredible woman in person. And her friendship with Pray is also beautiful to watch. And She's just so great. yeah, And I can't wait to see what happens in season three as well um, and see, you know, what her house looks like now with most of her children gone to pursue their dreams. And, you know, whether it be modeling or dancing and, and stuff, it just it'll be really interesting to see what this next chapter brings for her um, and in her life. So it'll be really, really interesting. And I'm really looking forward to it. But, yeah, she's she's incredible. And yeah, I still just can't get over that scene. I just, I just, I don't know. It just gives me chills just thinking about it because she's so great in that. Um, Okay, well, let's get to the other prominent house mother on the show, Electra Abundance, and she's definitely different than Blanca. (laughs) And she was, and she was uh, Blanca's mom. She was. Uh, Blanca was in Electra's house in the beginning of um, season one, and then she left and started her own house. But let's get into Electra. What are your thoughts on Electra, Sarah? Initially, I thought she was mean as hell, <laughs> but
2: <laughs> and she is. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's just I, I'm almost certain it's a it's a coping mechanism to protect herself, and she kind of touches on that, like warmth and compassion are not her strengths and, and trust is something that is not to given be given lightly. Um so that really speaks to her character, but she has some strength in her that you rarely see in the trans community. And it was her representation is powerful and she Runs her house for all the problem children that need a little extra push to keep in line, and they may not go into advancing in different aspects of uh, life as Blanca pushes her ki- children, but she still gets them to grow and show up and be loyal. And even though there's some house swapping here and there, and she has some loyal children that are dedicated to her. For some whatever reason, <laughs> I would not want to be in her house at all. <laughs> she she definitely takes <laughs> takes the credit for everything that's happened. Like yeah. like when when Damon gets his big break, going being yeah. able to go on that tour, she's like, "Look what I have accomplished! Yeah. Like I am so proud of myself. Like <laughs> you didn't do anything. You were mean and." <laughs> And then just telling him if he fails, then don't even bother coming home. It's like, that's really extreme. But I understand the the dynamic where she's really trying to push them and to to do really well. Because nobody is ever going to give you a hand at this, especially for the LGBTQ community. So she's really pushing them to be... Um, independent and fierce in in obtaining anything that they want in life and if it's not excellent it then don't even bother um, so it brings out a lot of the perfectionism in, in um, her children but what I love about her character is that as the season goes on especially at the beginning of season one uh, season two she really shows her vulnerable side and she really shows how she really does need her community, and then she starts showing up for them in a a new and profound way. And it may not always be the best, and she always has her personal benefits to come about from those experiences, Um, especially the instance where they were putting the house-sized condom on (laughs) Mrs. (laughs) Francis's house, I think it was. (laughs) Oh my god, that was hilarious. And I love how she reads people. Like, that's one of my favorite things she does, especially to the white woman, and I'm assuming they were up in the Hamptons, that she just reads them, does a pause, takes a glass of water, refreshes herself, and then keeps going. (laughs) Like... I have never seen anybody be so quick witted when it comes to reading people and it's, it's spot on. It's, she is so eloquent at pointing things out and calling people out for exactly who and what they are, even if they don't want to hear it, especially if they don't want to hear it. And the authenticity that she brings with that character is astounding. And I, I love that about her. Um, so, yeah, she, she grew on me, but she wasn't my favorite at first.
1: <laughs> and, and Tiffany? Electra's
3: personality is so big. It's so outrageous. <laughs> uh yep. it takes up so much space and i think that's why i like her so much i mean like sarah said she is mean as a <laughs> rabid bobcat <laughs> i mean she is a um, mean but, <laughs> but <laughs> there is there's no denying that she is that she's fierce and she's beautiful and she's powerful and she's strong and she's magnetic Everybody wants to be around Electra, even if you don't like her. That's right? the—that's the key. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants to be her, <laughs> uh-huh. even if you—if even if you hate her. Um, <laughs> there's, there's just something about her that draws people in, and I do like her. I like her. Um, her evolution as a character because like sarah said you do see that softer side of electra when she's going through it when she loses her house uh and when she has to build another house and when she asks when she's asking um blanca for assistance when that whole situation as a dominatrix went sideways (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just um i like the way that her character is written so much and dominique jackson is just amazing she is amazing she she does she reads people for filth she read um oh my goodness her reads to candy and I felt so bad, Candy <laughs> season <one. laughs> because she stayed on Candy's neck consistently, consistently. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed the character of Electra, and I, I went around saying, "Come judge for me, come judge for me." <laughs> I went around saying that for like the whole, <laughs> like the, the whole summer last year. <laughs> I know people were tired of me saying it, but I don't care. <laughs> don't judge <for>
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's incredible. And yeah, that must be, she must have so much fun playing that character because I mean, she just gets to just lay it all out there and she, yeah, she can come off as a bit of a, a, a bitch at times, I guess would be the, best. <laughs> but you know, she's, she also is she's so strong as well and she she's had to put on I, I think she's like you said Sarah this is you know it's a front that she's had to put on to make it you know in the world to make it in life mm-hmm. Um but she's she's so amazing and you know like you guys are saying even though everybody kind of hates, they love to hate her kind of thing. She's that kind of character, yet they all really love her, and yet she's consistently winning all the time. You know, she's always, she's winning so much (laughs) in the ballroom competitions. She's always taking home those trophies and You know, but she's been a very, very interesting character to watch. And I'm glad that, you know, they didn't just make her one note of just being mean and angry or, you know, yelling at people all the time or being the bitchy, catty one. I'm glad that they, you know, gave her more depth and showed that vulnerability in her and where she did have to reach out for help. And I think for her, that is so hard because she wants to be the strong one and the pillar of strength and wants to show the world. She doesn't need anyone. She's there to help everybody. She can help you guys, but she doesn't need anybody. She doesn't need any help. She's got this all on her own. You know, she knows what to do. She knows what to do better than anybody else knows what to do. You know, she wants to have that, that control. And so to be asking for help took so much vulnerability and, and so I'm glad they were able to show that and that she was able to show that side. But, yeah, I still cracked up at that scene, though. When she's like, and I want to, you know, this was all because of me. When David got the chance, <laughs> oh because it was so perfectly her. And I just cracked up because, you know, especially that they were juxtaposing it to other people. Going, oh, this was so great. You did all of this. And then she's like, it was all because of me. <laughs> all me. <laughs> all me. I take Damon's all the. face.
0: He's like, what? <laughs>
3: Oh, and she can we just say that she had the greatest like meme face when Damon was um, putting um, pray Tell and Ricky on blast about <laughs> about having that relationship in Electra Oh, yeah, <laughs> yep. her face. Yes. I do.
2: <laughs> I do love that she found her her niche in in the world as a dominatrix.
0: Perfect. Yes. Yes. for very purpose
2: <laughs> she's like what do you mean you want to pay more for me to leave you alone and like i i think one of the things that she said in in the second season when they went to the beach house was to her client where it is a privilege for you to seek out loneliness and that really like oh god that's so true and that definitely speaks to a lot of the New York clients that she was engaging with through her practice and how I'm sure how how out of control they felt but I love that she found her calling (laughs) but even then she was like oh god I killed a guy and that was that was a very funny experience where she's going to four different people trying to figure it out, and then it's haunting her in her closet and smelling of the place. She's hanging for air fresheners in her closet. She's like, I love a, it's scented candles. I like pine. Like, Nobody likes pine. Nobody likes to find that <laughs> so I'm just like what is she gonna do with that thing? She's just gonna hold on to it forever and just stare at it like this horrible thing in her closet for the rest of her life. Uh, but she she definitely found her calling in, in her work and I'm I'm glad she can be very uh fruitful in
1: that because it really plays <laughs> to her strengths. <laughs> Yeah, it, it does. And, and she does uh, really, really seem to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah fits her okay, let's get into Angel. So what are your thoughts on Angel, Sarah? Angel, um, she
2: seems very timid. and I, And she's willing to settle for whatever comes her way and not have any faith that she's going to um experience it long term and even with her her modeling uh, exposure where she was exposed as being transsexual as they use the language in the movie which is definitely old language but um like she immediately was like giving up on her dreams because that one instance happened like of course my life is over they've found me out they know what's the T, as she said and like that's an, it's an interesting language that they threw in there as well because i i, I don't know a lot of history about say what's the T or or what because I, you hear, hear the song let's have a kiki and and things like that so um I like how she grows and steps into herself, and then how Poppy comes in and and supports her like through and through. And I totally ship them, totally ship them. <laughs> um, but Angel, she's like the the delicate like little girl that just stays this, but. She finds her elegance and she finds her beauty and then she learns to accept it and learns to accept being seen by another person and really accepted and loved by somebody. And that's what I love. One of my favorite parts in, in the final episode where they both propose to each other. And um I'm such a romantic. <laughs> so of course I started <laughs> crying when that happened. I was like, oh my god, they're so cute. I love poppies. <laughs> We'll, we'll get on Poppy here in a minute, but um, I like Angel's character, and especially when she turns down, what what was it, Stan? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Evan, Evan Peters, yeah. Um, I love how she, she wants to be seen and accepted by him, and, like, just the fact that she turned him down when he came crawling back and said, no, I have a family, I know my worth, and I'm not going to give that up, and I'm sorry, I love you, but I'm not going to take you like that must have been so profound to have that experience of being in a place of power of saying, no, this is not what I want. I'm not going to show up because I'm going to be your little prize and your little doll and your little secret. And I think that's really when she stepped into her own power was when she, she rejected Stan. And so, and that goes back to, (coughs) excuse me, what you were saying, Erin about how we didn't transition Stan into this knight in shining armor or somebody who was pandering to her and trying to get her attention over and over and over again. He just gave up and went away. And I'm, I'm glad the story did not evolve into, uh, well, where did he go? What did he do? You know, Mm -hmm. um, it actually followed continued in its true path and true story of following the characters. So getting to know somebody new and not for once not being sexually exploited immediately. Like their experiences, their first experiences, they just laid in bed and talked to each other, you know? Um, And that was pretty authentic. And I think that was um, a beautiful moment between those two. So I definitely wanted to make sure I touched on that, but I like Angel and I love who she ends up becoming and really seeing
1: herself mm mm-hmm. yeah and, and um tiffany
3: i I love love, love the character of angel, <laughs> because I mean the name fits right she's mm-hmm. she's, artistic. and she's th- there's a reason that when it's face category, she always wins, <laughs> and <laughs> she gets <laughs> 10, 10, 10s across the board because um there's a scene in one of the first uh, first few episodes. Where she does this, um, gosh, it, I think it's actually when she's still in Electra's house. So it might have been the pilot, where she just gives face and she leans back, and the light hits her. And I actually used that. Um, I, I was, I remember, I was tweeting about it, and I used that caption just to say, "Wow," <laughs> because her it, it encapsulates everything that Angel is about. She is, she is angelic. She's a delicate spirit. She, um, she, you can tell she's been hurt and mm-hmm. she's gone through so, so much, but she's gone through the fire and she's come out on the other side. And one of the, probably she's the most, she was, she needed Blanca the most, I think out of everybody. She honestly did because Blanca pushed her. Had she still been with Electra, she would not have gotten that push that she needed to become the success that she ultimately ends up being. And I, I think that I don't, I also don't think that she would be with little Poppy had she stayed with Electra. I I mean, because I think she Blanca gave her the ability to see herself as the great person that she is. And if you don't have that self-confidence, you're not going to allow anybody else in. So I definitely don't think the relationship with Poppy would have happened. Uh, and I do. And I echo what what Sarah said about um, her not being with Stan, <clears throat> because that I, I did not. I, I'm so glad that they didn't follow that path. I And you're right, Aaron, that the, any other show, it probably would have happened. It, it probably would have. They would have. Um, just have him be the knight in shining armor and showed his journey um, from kind of a sort of probably bigot (laughs) to somebody that's, uh, oh, he's at the balls every week and um, he's dating this person and he leaves his wife, but then probably goes back to his wife and then he goes back to, yeah, I'm so glad that didn't happen uh, because it allowed Angel to, to forge her own path. And I don't think that would have happened had that storyline stayed with Stan. So love Angel, love India Moore for playing the character like that. And I, I find it interesting also because India Moore um, actually is, is non-binary. So they bring out a, a completely different aspect to playing that role just from their own experience. So. It's um great character, great character, and great portrayal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and she, and yeah, Angel fits her perfectly. And you know, she's just she's gorgeous. She's absolutely beautiful and stunning. And you almost have a angelic like halo glow about her. You know, she she's just so beautiful, and she finds her strength. She's such a romantic she's just a pure romantic at her at heart. You know, she's wants love and acceptance and wants beauty in her life. And, you know, that's just what she wants. And I think she, it took her a long time to feel like she actually actually deserved that deep down, you know, that she actually was worthy of that, that she was worthy of love that wasn't going to be, um, abusive in any kind of way which would have been what it would have been if she had stayed with stan you know because um, there's abuse of all sorts not just physical and i think that would have been an abuse of her her soul and her spirit and he would have used her and so i'm so glad that she found her power um and got away from that and then grew and then with poppy yeah i shipped them too they are just they're so great together. And it wasn't one of those that you really necessarily even saw coming, but it made perfect sense. They they fit so well together, and they complement each other so well. And I think they both push each other in the right way um, and support each other. And they're just so, so great. They just are such a great complement to each other. And, yeah, Angel just fits her so, so perfectly. I can't even imagine her having a different name (laughs) (laughs) because it really is like a halo I really do kept expecting to see that Um, but yeah watching her grow um, is amazing and yeah I I agree I don't think that a lot of that would have happened without having Blanca around Um, yeah and Blanca just did amazing things for her and pushed her and got her out from working the streets and um, you know being a prostitute and and it, it just yeah, she just really saved her in a lot of ways that Electra, I don't think, would have done if she had stayed in that house. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't think Electra built up her confidence as much as Blanca did. Um, and I don't know if Electra saw the same things in her that Blanca did. So I, th- I think that's that's great. Great. Well, let's move on now to um, Poppy, to little Poppy. Uh, what are your thoughts on Poppy, Sarah?
2: I, at first he was like this dorky little boy that was just like, okay, come on, just wake up. You're not taking life seriously. But of course he was, he was young, you know, and I think, um, you really see him grow in after he gets kicked out of the house for selling weed on the pier. And then he's in the house of, uh what's lulu and candy's house the house of extravaganza no it's um ferocity ferocity yeah like he gets treated like shit <laughs> and you can't you
0: can't
2: you can't not expect anything different from lulu and candy because that's what they were taught from electra and being in her house And just how horrible they are to him uh, that really pushed him back to Blanca. And I think having that experience of being kicked out, losing his his positive experience with Blanca and his real family, he realized what he did wrong and he did not want to make that mistake ever again. So I think that's when you really have this intense growth of him. And I love I just love how incredibly loyal and dedicated he is to everyone in that house especially when Blanca shares her HIV status with her kids. He, I love how he just gets out of the chair, goes up next to her kneels down and said, you get anything, you get a sniffle or fever or anything, you call me, I will be here to take care of you. And I love that he shows up and does that when it, when it actually does happen. Like he brings her food, he brings her all the things that she needs and, and he shows up like he is reliable. And I think that's one of the things that I like most about his character is how he just shows up intensely and lovingly and passionately for everybody in his life and you can see that evolve as he creates his own management business and how his dedication to the trans community and the women who want to represent themselves in a way that is positive instead of being sex workers and uh, giving them an avenue of access to something different and he's authentic and even with getting the job for angel in germany he's like uh, she was scared because she was concerned that they were going to find out he's like they already know they know and that's why they want you they think that's edgy and 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 it's important to portray that it's like holy cow like he is authentic. And so I I really love that, but he's got this little boyish giggly part to him, but he is just so passionate, so romantic. And uh, one of the things that I, one of the lines that he said in the show that I loved when Angel stood him up for his date, he was, he fervently said, I am a prize too. And, like he did not downplay his value. He knew his value, and I, that's something you don't usually see. And <clears throat> and uh, I I really love and appreciate how he authentically accepts Angel no matter her status like of course you're trans but you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen like I when I first saw you you were just floating across the air and there's there's moments when I'm with you that I get to be up there but I also get to be your anchor when you come back down or if something happens and you fall I'm here to pick you up and so I love that about his character he's so genuine
1: yeah I agree and Tiffany I love the persistence of little Poppy,
3: because I, I think that <laughs> that just kind of describes him to a T. He is he's persistent, He goes for what he knows and he makes it happen uh, with his his management company. I don't think it, who would have the the cojones to March in to the (laughs) the uh, the head of um, I I guess it's kind of like elite model management sort of, the basically to the to the president's (laughs) desk and say, hey, I need you to mentor me. I need you to give me (laughs) I need you to give me an office and a phone and (laughs) and I need you to 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 guide me on the path I need to be to make my own management company, and I I think that's something that is that's profound for me that he's making sure that he he's doing everything in his own power to pull angel along with him to make sure she's a success in his success as long as she succeeds he succeeds and i love that because he really sees what they have is a partnership uh he share and share alike and i like his growth as well because i i like sarah thought he was like a silly kind of giggly little dude and he was (laughs) like you know an annoying little brother kind of always understood (laughs) doesn't really add anything to the pot (laughs) you know just um kind of just there but he really stepped up and he uh proved his worth I think to the family overall to the house um and so I, I I love that scene of them proposing to each other it's adorable it's so dorky but it's so cute (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that they did it in like you know they did it in the ball (laughs) around I'm I'm completely against like real public proposals I hate that for me myself but but I loved it for them I thought it was really cute
1: (laughs) and it fits their characters perfectly it's just it fits them to a T to, to have it be public like that. Yeah, because I'm with you, Tiffany. I hate the public, the big, huge public proposals. Always like the ones you know, like at a basketball game or at a football game or something like that. Big stadium when they propose like that <laughs> way or something like that. That to I me have is so just, much secondhand embarrassment. Exactly. Over there. Oh, yeah. Just cringe. <laughs> and plus, it's so much pressure of like, well, if I say no, it's gonna humiliate this person. <laughs> yeah. Right exactly. But anyway, yeah, I agree with that, but yeah, he's um yeah he's he's very he's very sweet and very much like like a like a little boy at first, he seems like a little kid at first, like you said, I think, um, what you said, Tiffany, about him being like the annoying little brother, that's a perfect description <laughs> of him when he first starts, and you just are like, please, please, just. Don't go out there when, when he's out there when he's selling pot, and you're just like, please don't do that. We, you know, you want him to succeed. You want him um, to to know that he is worth more than that. Um, but at the same time, you understand why he does it. It, may, it makes sense. But you do want him to do more. You feel um, you feel a lot like Blanca when you watch him. You're just like, come on, come on. I know you. You've got more in there. I know you. You're 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 worth more. I know you can succeed. I know you can do more. And watching him grow and, um, yeah, that confidence he has is amazing. I I envy that. And he's so honest. He's just a genuine person. Um, you can believe everything he says. Like, he's not going to lie. He's not going to lie about who Angel is when he's promoting her. Um, he's not going to lie about who he is um, as a person, you know, and, and it. And that's very rare. And I think that's why he's so great for Angel and they're so great together um, because he really sees her and loves every part of her um, and doesn't want to hide anything about her. You know, she's he's her prince, um, you know, but a real prince, which, you know, princes are flawed and princes, you know, like, you know, a real partner is flawed and not completely perfect. They're perfect together. If that makes sense, they Mm complement each other so well, Um, and I think they've helped each other grow. Um, And he's he's, just—he's—he's a joy to watch. He really just—he makes me smile most of the time, you know. And he's—he's so protective, and but in a good way, not in a controlling way. Um, And he's just—he's really sweet. He's just really sweet. Is the word that I think of. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Think of him okay well before we get into candy actually I'm gonna skip forward to Damon because since Damon is another member of the house I want to stick sort of with Blanca's house right now um, <laughs> so let's let's talk about uh, Damon what are your thoughts on Damon Sarah uh, Damon is definitely has
2: a learning curve that he is struggling to navigate and he's He spends most of the show trying to figure out who he is by cat by latching onto the coattails of whoever he's with. Um, And I know that's very, can be very typical for um, people in LGBT community relationships where you just latch on. Oh, this is, this is your dream. Okay. It's going to be my dream too in some capacity. So I feel like he follows Ricky around. No, no. Ricky follows follows Damon around, excuse me. Um, I was talking about the wrong person. <laughs> anyway, uh, going back to Damon, he, his history of coming, coming out and moving to New York and being naive about what it was like to be on the streets and wasn't listening to advice of like holding on to your backpack. You got to sleep with your backpack in the front, not in the back. Don't leave it hanging out next to you. It's going to get stolen. Um, he definitely is naive and needs a lot of attention and guidance and support and a push in the right direction. And Blanca is exactly what he needs. And she, she could see it. He was so present and available for her taking. Um, and she just basically says, you're coming home with me and you're going to be in a house and hear my rules and gets all butthurt about them being, there being rules. But those rules And her tenacity and forcefulness of, like, no, you are going to show up to life. You are going to do what you're supposed to. You are going to be accountable. You're going to be responsible. Like, he really gets the mother that he really needed. But also um, gave him permission to be who he was. Uh, And that was something his parents, biological parents, just could not give him. Um, And... They even even his um, biological mom, um, basically implied that she wanted him to get the the gay disease, and never come around again. And it was it's horrible to think about so many LGBT kids that were kicked out um, and so young, and. AIDS and HIV used as a weapon against them when it was already already against them. And so it's, that was really disheartening to see, but Damon grows in such a profound way. And in some ways he kind of reminds me of one of my brothers, my youngest brother, Sam, who's big into fashion and things like that. So he, he would, he would fit in this world quite a bit, but, um, he's He's the one that he's the the uh the brother of the house that really takes a while to grow up and then leaving completely and going on tour in europe was is was exactly what he needed He needed to run with the guidance and support that he had cultivated with being in Blanca's house so that way he can set up his own house in Paris like who'd have thought he'd he'd have done that you know. Um, just how he he is really trying to pay it forward and be accountable and honor his path. I, I'm grateful that he uh, took that break from Reiki to evaluate whether or not he wanted to be with him and focus on himself. And I think that gave him the self-respect he was searching for and that just accumulated more and more throughout episodes Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. and your thoughts Tiffany
3: I have um, so much sympathy for how he was treated by his bio parents in that in that pilot episode and and when he's kicked out and he just he's so lost because you can feel that he's sheltered um, a lot it it looks like he's an only child um, and it his mother actually cultivated his his dancing his artistic talent but couldn't so she accepted that side of him but couldn't accept who he was as a full person as a as a, a young gay man and that i mean that hurt my heart when she kind of wishes that upon him and you know to never come back and he's essentially disowned and then just wandering the streets of New York like, dude, what are you doing? You need to have a plan. You can't just sleep in the park. You can't leave your bags unattended. <clears throat> so meeting Blanca, I think, was the best thing that could have ever happened to Damon. Mm-hmm. And um meeting Ricky <laughs> was not necessarily the best thing. <laughs> That could happen to Damon. <laughs> because I think there was a lot of um toxicity in that relationship. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a lack of trust. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, Ricky just for some reason just can't keep it in his pants. And um, I think he he I don't want to say he preyed on Damon because Damon by that point was, you know, fully realized as an adult, but I do think that he took his advantage of his naivete <clears throat> and um he hardened him in a way <clears throat> and and that was that was hurtful for me to see um he got the he got a bit i feel like damon got a bit brittle after yeah. that breakup with ricky um a little uh, slightly bitter <clears throat> you could you could see it in the way he was interacting with people um but yeah. I think his career moving forward and taking off was such a boon for his confidence, and you could see it he blossomed when that happened and he setting up his own house in Paris, oh my goodness who would ever who would have ever thunk it when you know from that first scene of him of his you know his dad throwing his stuff out of the house. And, and giving him the boot to him coming back to New York and like so sophisticated, so suave and, and saying he's a house father now. That's it's amazing. I like his journey. I, I really like his journey a lot.
1: Yeah, me too. He's he's one of my favorites, um, definitely. And when he auditions, the scene when he auditions um, is I just I just love that. I loved watching him dance and. Watching, you'd see those little moments where he would lose his confidence, and then he would he would smile again, and um, he would, you know, bounce back and do that, and 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 watching him grow and watching him come from this place of being so so alone and so scared, and not knowing at all what he was going to do or how he was going to survive, to being a a, a house. Father, It's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, that's just an incredible journey to take. And, and, you know, a lot of that is owed to Blanca and um, her faith and confidence in him. Um, But him, but just being able, him just being able to find his own way and find his own path, and heal and get more confidence and learn how, how beautiful he is. And to get away from that. Yeah, I agree that relationship with Ricky was toxic um and there was no trust there and you can't have a healthy relationship if you have no trust um and Ricky was not always the best to him so yeah that was not a very good relationship and and I do think he was hurt a lot by that but he grew from it and he learned from that and he um became stronger and and more passionate about his about dance about his passion um and about being just truly caring wonderful man that he is he's just I just adore that character I did from the very very first shot I was just like I'm gonna just love this character I just knew right away Um, and the actor Ryan um, Swain is just so oh my god he's so good he's so so good Um, in that role and he just expresses so much vulnerability on his face and you can see all the emotion there and the pain and the, just that going back Mm -hmm. to that dance, the audition scene, you could see so many emotions running through his face. He's just such a good actor. So expressive. Um, Yeah, he's wonderful. Definitely one of my absolute favorite characters on the show. So I really, really love him. Okay. So let's get into, I wanted to talk about Candy um, a lot because of, Sadly, what happens to her in season two. But let's talk about Candy. Uh, what are your thoughts on Candy, Sarah? I I like
2: her character for some reasons, and also don't like her character for others. And I think it really um, comes from her fierce independence and wanting to be um, out from under Electra's shadow. And she is she is just violently fierce. <laughs> The fact that she carries around a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> a ball-peen hammer shows how, how real and intense she is about, like, I'm going to throw down. I don't mm-hmm. care what you think. And here's here's what's up. Like, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. And um, I I don't think we got a whole lot of opportunity to really get to know her. But she was mean, just like Electra was. Um, but I think what I liked about her the most was that she was absolutely authentic about who she was and unapologetic. There's no apology in a lot of these characters for for who they were, and I love that. Um, But she... I think one of my favorite episodes was actually her funeral, and it was probably the most powerful because she got to reconcile with so many different people. And you got to see that experience of her biological parents acknowledging who she was and missing that relationship. And even um, the impact she had on Lulu and pray tell, like pray, she even haunts pray tell. And do we really even know if she had HIV or AIDS? Like, it's implied when Billy's talking to her in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like, um, was she suffering alone? And that she was just being intense and fierce because that was just making her stronger to have to, like, navigate a- alone? Um, so, I don't think we got a fair chance at really understanding or knowing her, knowing her character. I think they could have taken her a totally different direction, but her end of her story was just as powerful and just as important as her continuing her role throughout the show. If they extended her, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just her as an actress, like I love, she's, she's an intense actress for sure. And I like her background of, um, I just read up on her a little bit and she had joined the Navy for a while. Like she, um, she taught herself computer coding and now she runs her own uh, technology business that's focused around hiring trans women, especially trans women of color. So like even in her personal life, she's doing amazing things. And uh, so she's not just doing acting, but she's doing good things in the world. So it's, uh, both sides of her, I really, I, I really liked. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to seen her go further, but her end story was perfect.
1: Yeah. And Tiffany,
3: uh, I I'm torn because I I do love Angelica Ross. I love the character of Candy because seeing her depth as A someone who is she's she's ground down under Electra, and we don't see her blossom until she starts her own house with Lulu, until she starts the House of Ferocity. Um, And I think you see that from Jump when she goes to that back street (laughs) um, surgeon quotes and gets like cement filler in her. You know, in her box, it's just you know, it's it's one of those things because she's because Prentel is relentless when it comes to making fun of her when she tries to to walk the body care uh, category, and he's just, I mean, he is relentless when it comes mm-hmm. to digging at her and getting under her skin, and same thing with the it's the same um, same premise. I think Candy, I don't know if she needed to be ha- handled with kid gloves, but I think she needed to be handled with a lot more um, tact than those two did. And her, her actions were almost always reactionary. It's because somebody did her wrong that she turned around and did something else. So there was a lot of um, act and react. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I had, I I did not like the fact that they fridged her. Um, I know it was because Angelica Ross had gone to um, got cast in American Horror Story in that, um, that eighth season of American Horror Story. Uh, and she was great in that. Just FYI, if you haven't seen it, she's really excellent <laughs> in it. <laughs> but um, with the fact that black trans women only have a life expectancy of 35 uh, in real life, I had a major issue with her being the one to be killed on the show. Um, especially considering that she is the, besides Electra, uh, who's such a central character, she is the only other dark skinned woman on the show so that raised my hackles a bit I was really upset um at the ending even if it was written really well I, I agree with you Sarah that it, it was written well um, it was a uh, a poignant send-off especially when when Lulu was doing like her own private eulogy of her um, but I do have my own issues with it and, and there, I, I think that I'm not going to get over it anytime soon, simply because I know that it's like that in real life. And I watch Pose to kind of get away from that a bit. So, yeah and, and-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there are other ways, just because a, a person is leaving a show, just because the actress is leaving a show, there are other ways to do that. You know, and they didn't even have to, I mean, they could have just had her go somewhere. Um, they didn't have to kill her. That's the thing is, you know, they they didn't have to do that for um, dramatic effect. And as you said, for fridging a character, you know, which is a big, big issue. And um, we're definitely going to do an episode about that sometime because that is a trope uh, that needs to die. <laughs> I mean, really, that needs to go away. Um And especially when it's, it's not, it's not necessary, but what you, you know, what you were saying about Candy's death is, you know, and, and how, yes, it may be true to reality, but we don't always need to see that. And, you know, exploiting that pain is not always a good thing. It's not a good thing to do. And I was going to talk about the ending of get out and how that kind of, you know, reverses that that pain but i won't say because i want you to see the movie sarah because it's it's an amazing movie so
2: yeah i do want to want to see that but i also want to want to touch touch back on on um how candy died in this in the series i think that's a really important message that they were trying to convey about how um transgender people and especially transgender people of color are often exploited, sexualized, and and really, honestly, martyred uh, because it's a threat to that white male person's identity. And um, there's a lot of shame around being with a trans person uh, that is experienced. And so I'm even though it was a fridging of a character, I think it was important to be able to convey the violence that the transgender community experiences when they put themselves out there, especially when they're having to be sex workers, because that is the only job that they can do. Um, that still is true to today. Um, so I I definitely don't want to, um, want it to be thrown under the rug that this is something that's like this is a normal experience of characters it's really important that we have this awareness out in mainstream media and um, uh, movies and cinema so that way there is awareness about the impact people have on the transgender community so I definitely can't not speak on that
1: as as an advocate for the trans community so I said I yeah I I hear what you're saying I I think and I don't know do do you want to add anything else to that Tiffany anyone else want to add anything else about Candy's death
3: I, I I'm conflicted over it simply because also her death occurred off screen so it's it's really almost like ghosting her I, I don't know if that you know not ghosting in the fact that nobody ever speaks to you you know you're trying to get in contact yeah. with somebody and not not in that sense but like you're you're pushing her out completely even though she she pops back up um in the haunting of of Pray Tell and and even at her own funeral um she's she's able to to view it through the the mourner's eyes. Um, I I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm really really conflicted over it, simply because it happens so often in television and film. So I have a hard time reconciling it, even though it's it's extremely prevalent in reality. So, but I still have a hard time reconciling it, especially because, like you said, Aaron. You know, they could have just had the character. You know move on, I don't know, move to California, move to Florida someplace else, just, but the fact that they um, completely cut the character off is is hard for me
1: yeah, no i see I see both sides of what what you guys are saying because it you know there could have been other ways to to tell that story, I think um, and it but it I mean it is important to. acknowledge that that does happen i mean it is important to acknowledge um that black trans men and women are murdered you know that that it it, you know there were just a couple of um black trans women that were murdered i think it was just the other day so it's happening it happens all the time and it doesn't get acknowledged as much so i totally totally see that it just would have been i don't know i i think The way it was handled was a little bit iffy. I didn't like the way it was filmed. I will say that the reveals, when they showed the maid, um, you know, cleaning up the room, I didn't like the way that was filmed. There was something about that that bothered me. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but kind of like it it felt kind of exploitive. (laughs) um just the way yeah. it was, the way it was done I I didn't like that but I did like the way it was it was written well that it was performed well I did the funeral scene was really interesting I did think it was interesting that she haunted pretayl um especially because and you said this Tiffany I mean he was so hard on her I mean so hard on her and yeah. when she, <laughs> when she got the cement implant the, the cement butt implant or whatever. <laughs> that was. I was so nervous. I was so scared at that time. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. I thought she was gonna die from that. I really did. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna, you know, poison her or something like that. That was so painful to watch. And I agree. I think her big thing was she had this tough exterior, but she was a lot softer than Electra was. And I don't think everybody realized that. So. They, I think, people f- like, especially Electra and Preteal, felt like they could um, talk to her that way because they thought she was tough as nails, you know, so to speak. But I don't think she was at all. She had a real soft center to her, um, and I think she desperately wanted to belong. And I think a lot of times, except for with Lulu, she felt uh, kind of like an outsider. In a way, that was that was the impression that I got was sometimes she felt like an outsider to the group, to the to the house. Um, and she was trying to adopt uh, the, the persona that Electra had and she was trying to adopt having that strength. But you could see that hurt and pain come through so much. Um, so it would have been interesting to explore that more and maybe have her really find her voice um, and her confidence would have been really interesting to explore um and i didn't know all that about angelica ross that's really um, cool that coding thing and, and starting her own business that's that's yeah. pretty amazing yeah i didn't know that about her so yeah and yeah, I, I
2: look i look up all my characters that i'm watching like who are <laughs> they and who were who are they representing and stuff like that so wikipedia has been my favorite website lately i should donate to them more <laughs>
1: Yeah, I didn't know that about her, but and I haven't watched um, the latest season of American Horror Story, but I will when it becomes available for streaming, for sure. So. She's,
3: she's really great, <laughs> she, yeah. Because it's, it's a total departure from um, from Pose, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it, there's a lot of shocking, shocking scenes in there, but I think you'll you'll enjoy it.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's a Sorry, a little tangent here, but it's like a riff on um, '80s slasher films, right? Isn't that what that that's, yes. this, that latest season is? Yeah, that's what I thought. Very
3: much so, and I was I was nervous because you know this is the first um, AHS that didn't have Sarah Paulson or mm-hmm. Peters in it, and I was thinking, is it even an American Horror Story if Sarah Paulson's in it? <laughs> <laughs> Right, or
2: Angela
3: Bassett or Kate. Uh, Yeah. Can you even call it that? But um, it really, really, uh, they really did a great job with the casting on it. Emma Roberts surprised me because I did not necessarily care for her in um, a couple of other AHS episodes, well, other seasons, but she really brought it in this season she uh, this past season i thought she was really she was really a lot of fun and um oh my goodness billy lord please <laughs> her character is uh she is a hoot she is an absolute hoot in this so if you get a chance definitely check it out because angelica ross is a, is a scene stealer for sure
1: yeah i definitely will cuz Yeah, that's that's one of my um, guilty pleasure shows because, you know, I go mix on each season. But yeah, total tangent here, guys. But yeah, but I uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out when it's available. And we are going to do a show someday about American Horror Story. We'll have to do that. Um, Okay, well, let's get into Pray Tell. um, And then we'll also get into Billy Porter himself. But let's get into Pray Tell. What are your thoughts on Pray Tell, Sarah? I love his character. He really brings like um,
2: some amazing depth and flair and um, intensity to the show, and all the rest of the houses. And I can only imagine what it would be like to manage all those, ugh, all that realness, <laughs> on a on a at a ball. Um, but he. He shows a really sweet and endearing um soft side to a strong gay male role, and not just as the actor but like at his role itself like uh um, He is so relatable and so accessible to to the audience that you can't help but love his character and be so genuinely interested in how he is feeling and his experience of life and how just the the many times that he's just been drunk as a skunk by himself in his house and just like, who's going to love me, you know? And we've all been there. We've all had those moments of like nobody loves me and I'm just a horrible human being and I'm going to be alone forever. And, and it's not true. And especially when um, Ricky wakes up um, the next day with him and he's able to see that somebody is going to be there. And I'm impressed that they last for nine months and longer, hopefully. The character just brings a strong male um, gay male dynamic uh, especially a person of color who is knows the struggles that they've experienced and know how what they're going to experience and what it's like to be a gay black man in new york and be poor and do try to navigate life the best the way they can and he really strives to live life and but he also rejects a lot of who he is by not acknowledging that he needs to have somebody it's it's good to have a partner it's good to have a person in your life that you can connect with and do wonderful things with and still have joy even though you have he has hiv and he's had his different illnesses and his own health scare and, and that experience. He, I think he finally realizes closer towards the end of the season too, that it's okay to be with somebody and for him to uh, come back and be friends with Blanca, like but uh, Blanca experienced so much loss during that time. She lost all of her kids. She lost her business. She lost her best friend. And then she was alone for nine months. Um, so him reconciling with Blanca was uh, vulnerable, but so important to convey that relationships can heal and move forward. And he did that beautifully. So yeah, I love his character and its intensity and his unapologetic um Representation of
1: himself. Mm -hmm. And Tiffany. Okay. First off. Billy Porter is
3: the goat. Let's all. (laughs) (laughs) Let's all recognize that. Game recognize game. Um, Prey is. One of those people. Who just takes up. A lot of space. But in a good way. Um his he has this um this excitement for life, but I think you can see that he is being trod upon and he's a bit downtrodden by the time we get to um the middle of season one because all of this death is really starting to get to him, and um Sarah explained it really beautifully about him needing somebody and being vulnerable to needing somebody and recognizing that you shouldn't be alone in life, that you have to have not only friendship, but companionship as well. And I personally, you know, I, (laughs) I had the electric face when, (laughs) when it was whatever, when, when he and Damon got together, because um, like Blanca said, it's, He's an elder in the in the ballroom community. And the fact, and Damon is very much, I mean, Damon, Ricky is very much not an elder <laughs> in the ball community. There's a big age difference there. And um, I was a little bit hesitant to see them get together and hook up. Uh, even if that relationship, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of companionship when you saw them just kind of hanging out in his apartment and sitting around, shooting the breeze, watching TV, eating dinner together. Um, it still kind of gave me pause, but I will say that the overall character of Pray Tell is so fun and so vivacious. And he's another one like Electra that knows how to cut you and knows how to cut you deep. He knows just what to say to make maximum impact. And he doesn't have to use a lot of words. He, I mean, he can, he can read you for filth in literally a sentence and that's that. And I think that's why he always um, got to candy because he didn't have to say a lot, but everything that he did was just like. Nails, nails, nails flying at you. But the character is is so well written, and that uh, that hospital when he was in the hospital, and that when he's being haunted, and and he's having these basically like these hallucinations. I don't even know if you can call them dreams. They were more like hallucinations. Uh, that was so good. That that whole episode was so well done. Um, it, it just mm-hmm. showed the. I think of Billy Porter. So I'm I'm in awe. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Billy Porter is he's just he's so incredible. He's incredible, 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 incredible. I just love him. And his YouTube channel, everybody should subscribe to that and watch his videos because he's <laughs> he's right on. He's amazing. He's just I, I love that. I love him so much. Um and yeah, he's Pray Tell is Incredible, an incredible character um, and so much depth there, um, so many layers. And yeah, in that, that episode, that Love's in Need of Love Today episode that you've mentioned is such a great episode. So unique and different. It, uh, and it almost has also like a, a musical feel to it because of, you know, the the cabaret thing that they're trying to prepare for. And there's, there's fan, fantasy element and this um not horror element but this um almost like his mind is torturing him in some ways too um if that makes sense um and it, it's just, it's a really really good episode and his range in that episode is is really great too and yeah the 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 Ricky thing was another one of those that kind of came out of left field like I wasn't predicting that at all I would never have thought of putting the two of them together um but I did love their scene um when um and I don't know if it's in the, the season finale of season two or when um you know when, when, when the guys are going to um dress up and, and, and dress and go and drag and perform at the ballroom and he has to put on the heels and he walks out and is like, I'm not gonna do this and then they sit and have that scene. I don't remember which episode that is. I don't know if mm-hmm. it is in the is is that in the season finale of Season two, I can't remember, uh, but there's I
2: think, but yeah, but they're yes. sitting
1: there, and it's such a great scene, um, and so compassionate, um, and the way it's the way it's done, and the way it's handled, and the way it's mm-hmm. even though pray tell is an elder, you still see kind of like they're they're on the same wavelength there in that scene, um, and it's like Ricky can almost teach him something, help him. Um, help him come to terms with uh, who, who he is and expressing another side of himself, discovering another side of himself, discovering his femininity and, and, and getting in touch with that and being comfortable with that. Um, I thought that was a really beautiful scene. I really loved that scene. And I loved watching him walk. I loved that, and yes, that he was so great. He was so great in that, and the little shade he throws, you know, when he gets the nine, when he gets one of the and he gets a nine, and the little shade he throws. I just and the look on his face. Oh my god, I just <laughs> I loved that too. And I love watching his relationship with Blanca. Um, There's they have such a loving relationship. They're like brother and sister, is the way I kind of view it. And they're so supportive mm-hmm. of each other. Um, and I just loved watching them together. And I also loved his relationship with Sandra Bernhardt's character. I thought that that's a really good relationship as well. Um, and, you know, watching him um, in the beginning of season two when he goes um, to the act up meeting, um, mm-hmm. you know, when she takes him, I thought that was really great too. And seeing him become more active and using a lot of his grief. Um, to, to help, help the community and to speak out. And um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was really great to watch in season two as well. And watching him really, really dealing with his illness. Um, yeah. He's and Billy Porter. Once again, I just have to say, he's just, I just, I love him so much. He's so incredible. I would love to see him on stage someday. I would just love to see him live in some play or something. i just, cause he's just so incredible. Um, we should just manifest being
2: friends with him. <laughs> Pretty much, go big or go home. Come on. Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna manifest. We'll get, we'll that get him on your podcast, or... and then. Oh my god, I would. I'd be like, wouldn't have any words probably. <laughs> <You have to laughs> I'm to definitely a, follow a script. A yeah. script. <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a few people I can think of that would be. I'd be like, uh... <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> say. <laughs> That'd be one of them for sure, but. Yeah, he's great. Well, are there any other characters? Because I didn't list all of them, of course. Are there any other characters that you guys want to make sure to mention or touch on or talk about, Sarah? The one I'd probably want to talk about is Lulu, Mm -hmm. Um, her character, how she is
2: in the house of abundance and then forms the house with candy. And they're both equally awful to everyone. And then once Candy is missing and she tries to find her, that's when she really breaks down and realizes she needs to become her own person. And Just, just the fact that even Blanca is a mother to people outside of her house speaks mounds about who Blanca is as, as a uh, character. But even Lulu told her that she was inspired by Blanca and chose to re-enroll in college so she can finish her degree in accounting. Like, how inspirational can a person be like (laughs) uh, her growth and her, her softness that comes out and her genuine um, personality of just being this free spirited, soft, loving person. That's like what was missing. And she was hiding behind candy because she wanted to, I think she wanted to be her in some ways. And so establishing who she wanted to be was terrifying once Candy was gone, her shield was gone. That fierceness was gone. And she had to hide. She hid hit behind her for so long. And now she had to become who she needed to be. And that was terrifying for her. And uh Blanca pulled her out of it and got her into a new space where she is like one of the sisters. She's also a mother, but she's also... Part of a very special group of women that can go on the beach vacation together and all connect and um, I, I really like how um, gentle she seems to become and not less and not as intense and I think the balance between uh, Electra and Blanca helped guide her into her own niche of who she wants to be, be as a mother. Mm-hmm.
1: And Tiffany, do you have any other characters you want to speak on or? uh i do I do
3: actually like the character of Lulu um because she she is in that shadow a lot uh, she really doesn't have a, a huge role um when she's in the house of abundance and, uh, but when she and candy do form House of ferocity it's um I, it's almost like Lulu's trying too hard to be mean because I don't think she's a mean person. I think she's actually uh, kind of nurturing. She's more nurturing than she is mean, but she's just trying to keep up. She's trying to keep up with, with how Candy is reactionary to everything and she's trying to keep up with how Electra treated her. So she just lashes out, but I don't think she's actually that person. I think she's pretty gentle. Um, and the way that Candy's death affects her, I think was really poignant and really well done um, because you get to see that, that emotion come out from her, whereas opposed she's just being super fierce and, um, and, and serving face and serving uh, attitude. She's broken down a bit and it's a different, viewpoint for for us to see her so i i hope we see more of lulu next season um because i think the character can grow even more and it'll be interesting to see how she is as just a an individual house mother if the house of ferocity actually survives
1: yeah yeah i agree with with what you guys have said about about lulu you know and i i think with her she's um she's she kind of is like she wants she she's trying to find her voice like so many people on the show are trying to find their voice and I think she kind of latches on to people and maybe takes a little bit of that personality on or or seeing that that might be what she wants to be when in actuality that's not who she is Um, and yeah she kind of was kind of very very secondary in the first season I thought and then I think with the second season she really came out a lot more um, she shined a lot more, um, and you know i I think that's kind of a running theme with this show is so many characters finding their voice and getting confidence that they didn't have before, and I think that's true of her as well. I think she really is starting to find her voice more, and so it would be interesting to explore that and to explore if she does like you said, Tiffany, if she does, if her house remains um, exploring that a lot would a lot more would be really interesting seeing who her children are and who she takes on and how that grows and then just watching her growth in general as a character. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well before we Can close I out add one more start, character. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: There's Go one ahead. more character I think that was really formative to everybody's experience. Helena St Rogers, oh. who um the new dance school teacher, she was so for also formative to Damon's experience as a dancer, and she saw mm-hmm. his potential and so she really brought um, some amazing support to his evolution and I love the relationship she has with um, Bian- uh, Blanca and how they support each other and how she's so um, commending of how she is as a mother.
1: So I, that's one of those relationships I really like. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that got mentioned as well that she got mentioned as well. So great. Well, before we close out um, I'll just go around and see if there's anything, anything else anyone wants to add about the lasting impact that this show will potentially have, um, how it might change the landscape. Um, Sarah, do you have anything else you want to add on that? I'm just excited to see
2: how this show evolves. I want to see more uh, more seasons for sure. I want to see the growth of it and how they tell the timeline of the LGBTQ history and how things are, have evolved. And um, it's I, I find it surprising and interesting that they started this whole um, thing after the uh, Stonewall riots. So it's it's maybe like two decades after, but still it uh, creates some interesting context that it's also in New York and um, so i'm I'm excited to see that and also the transgender uh, representation of the characters I, I I'm a huge advocate for the trans community and so I'm excited to see them be represented um, I think one of the things that I would really like to see and And this being impactful as well would would be a transgender man on the show and show that dynamic as well, because I think it's equally important to show not just the trans women, but trans men as well. So uh, that'll be interesting to see and see how it
1: evolves. Yeah,
2: I agree with that.
1: And Tiffany, do you have anything you want to add?
3: I I echo everything that Sarah says. Um, I I do hope for, at minimum, another two seasons to really, I feel like that would really kind of wrap things up, possibly three, um, because I think that puts a nice little bow on things. I, I hope that next season isn't the last. I know that the trend of especially prestige TV is to have like three seasons and you're out. (laughs) So I'm hopeful that that they don't follow that blueprint and they give us four or five seasons to really uh, solidify these characters. And I do think that there's going to be a lasting impact because like Erin, like you mentioned at the start of the show, this is the first time that we've seen a cast of majority trans actors playing trans roles. And I do believe that they should have um, trans men on the show next season, and hopefully they have some um, non-binary identifying characters as well. Uh, The only person that I can really think of, a character that I can think of right now that's non-binary in real life and on television is Taylor on Billions. I can't think of of any others. So it would be nice if they embrace that um, just from, and from a standpoint, from a, from a queer standpoint. Um, So I I do believe that the impact is going to be, going to be lasting. It's going to be one of those shows that we talk about, like you've talked about previously with Queer's Folk, um, like people talk about the Sopranos because it is the first of its kind. And it's really well done. It's not just the first, it's well done. That's the key. So yeah. as long as as long as long they keep that trajectory going, I really think that the sky's the limit for pose.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do too. And I, I agree. I think that makes such a difference that it's so well done. Um, and that there's so much thought and heart put into it. Um, you know, it, that makes a, big difference because that can also make a difference in in the fact that you can see more shows like this you can see more representation um and i agree it would be great to see um a trans male next year um and or next season sorry next year next season or in one of the upcoming seasons of Pose if they have more than three, because like you said, Tiffany, a lot of times they do stop at three or four. It seems like it's three or four is usually what happens, <laughs> you know, but as long as it keeps being, you know, the quality show that it is, um, and they keep adding representation to it um, as as much as they can. And I do think that has a lasting impact because this is a fairly successful show and, you know, Hollywood is a business, so, you know, they have a business model there. So if it is successful at seeing an audience, then that speaks to them that they, you know, well, maybe we can do this. Um, and I also think having a cast that um, where trans actors are playing trans characters makes such a difference overall. Because too often you see cisgendered men playing these characters Um, and it, it, it can be harmful. It's not, it can, you know, it, it buries people who could do those roles, who could perform those roles. And it does a disservice to the community, I think. Um, so I think having this happen with Pose, having Pose do this, be this, this benchmark, be this groundbreaker can really help that, um, in the future and in more shows. Um, you know, I, I think that's, I think hopefully it will lead to more representation. So I do think it's, it's a groundbreaking show. It's a great show. And I hope it keeps going. Okay, well, let's go ahead and close out and have everybody say where they can be found if you want to be found. Um, we'll start with you, Sarah. Sarah. Yes. you can find me on Facebook at
2: Sarah.E.Alder. And that's the only platform I use.
1: Great. And then Tiffany. I am generally
3: on Twitter and you can find me at who is Tiff is me. That's W-H-O-I-S-T-I-F-F-I-S-M-E. And then you can find me on Twitter. Instagram, same thing at Who Is tiff Is Me, and then on Facebook, which I do not really use for personal use. But if you have to reach out to me there, it's under <laughs> Tiffany Wilson Smith. <laughs> but please reach out to me on, on Instagram or on Twitter. <laughs> I try to use Facebook as little as possible. Uh, and then I also write for the Game of Nerds, and that is on all platforms at the Game of Nerds, all one word. And we're always looking for writers, so if you like to review films, if you like to review television shows, if you like to review gaming, uh, anything like that, magazines, books, we're always looking for folks to join the ranks, and
1: you can reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook, at The Game of Nerds. Wonderful, and I will link to The Game of Nerds, I'll link to the website as well in the show notes and then I'll just quickly add if you haven't listened to it already we had a wonderful interview with Tiffany um a few months back so you should definitely check that out because she talks a lot about writing and I I thought it was a great discussion so I'm going to plug that interview again so go back and give that one a listen to learn more about (laughs) I'm sorry what was that Tons of fun, Erin. Yes, yes. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. So thank you for doing that. Okay, and this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. And if you would like to reach out um, and for any reason, if you have any show ideas, sorry, ideas, feedback, anything like that, feel free to email the show at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And a reminder that we are now, um, you can now support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. So you can do 99 cents up to nine ninety nine a month. Um, and like I said, everything we get from that will be donated to Black Lives Matter organizations. And like I said, we're really going to try and focus on um, black trans organizations because those need, those need a lot of attention as well. And um, they are getting left behind sometimes. So we need to focus on that as well. Um, so until next time, Oh, sorry. I was going to tell you what's on our next show <laughs> on our next episode. Um, And we've already recorded it, and I'm really, really looking forward to people hearing this. Uh, We are going to be talking about uh, Mile High Comics, which is the biggest comic store in the United States, and it's located in Colorado. And they have there, they have an all-ages drag show that they do. And unfortunately, of course, they got a lot of hate groups that um, came out. And so in response to that, Um, The parasol patrol was um, created and they shield kids from that hateful vitriol and they have grown and done amazing things. And it's just a great, wonderful conversation about what we've been talking about with Pose and a lot um, during this month of finding that home. Um, and finding that acceptance and that love and, um, and also speaking out and standing up for people and using your voice and using your power, um, for good. So it's, it's a really, really great conversation. So I look forward to everybody hearing that. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and black trans lives matter.
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.